Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. guys and welcome to the chasing tales outdoor podcast where we try and inspire you to get outside and chase whatever outdoor passions and adventures you've been thinking about but maybe you haven't done or maybe it's just a beautiful day outside and you need just that little extra motivation to get out into the outdoors and enjoy yourself whether that's hunting or fishing and we hope to do that by providing you with awesome outdoor experiences stories from people all over the world and including our own adventures as well. So thank you for tuning in. This podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Wild Edge Inc. They are the maker of the simplest, most versatile climbing system in the outdoor world. So if you need a way to be ultra mobile in the outdoor woods when you're chasing whitetails, check out the Wild Edge system, www.wildedgeinc.com, and use the promo code ChasingTales10. That's ChasingTales, T A L E S. One zero to save $15 on any set of steps that you may order. Unfortunately, deer season is winding down, duck season's winding down, and most of your western hunting is winding down, but that's okay because that means turkey season and the off season is close, and that means we can prepare, we can start chasing birds, we can start fishing, and we can start to learn from the past season, and I've learned a lot this year. It's been a tough year, and if you're like me, suffering from the threat of tag soup, my season isn't quite over yet, but it's winding down. I empathize with you. Get out there, grind, push through the next couple weeks if you've got any season left. And if not, take the time to reflect and see what you could do differently. I know that I've got a lot to learn and, and apply it to next year or hunt in public land. We've got big things planned for 2019. I've got an elk hunt out west. We're trying to line up some DIY hunts in different states outside of the state of Florida. If you find value in the show and you would like to support Chasing Tales, its growth, its reach, and its ability to bring content to you from all over the place. We have set up a Patreon account. You can go to www.patreon.com 
dot com forward slash chasing tales outdoors or just click on the link down in the show notes i put it in the bottom of every show notes you can choose to to sign up and contribute and that money goes directly to the production of this podcast it offsets the operating costs that we have and hopefully it'll help fund some of these adventures that we have planned if you would like to contribute please check out the patreon account it would mean the world to us if you would donate directly now we should get to this week's episode but before we do i'm going to close this out with a brief word from our dear friends at the Sportsman's Alliance. If you're new to the podcast or if this is your first episode, please go back a couple episodes and listen to the podcast that we recorded with them. The Sportsman's Alliance is fighting for our rights to hunt, fish, and trap and enjoy the outdoors on our public lands, on our private lands, and they have an incredible success rate in the court system. So here's this week's message from Sean Kern of the Sportsman's Alliance. The Sportsman's Alliance is uh, we're a nonprofit organization, uh, but we were founded you know, in the late 1970s. In Ohio, there was a ballot initiative that sought to ban all forms of trapping. So they knew that if they could take their agenda to Ohio and, and win on this issue that's very near and dear to them, that they could then take that and plug and play in other states. Um, so a group was organized to run the ballot initiative on behalf of sportsmen. They ran the campaign, they did an outstanding job, they succeeded and they defeated that ballot initiative. But calls continued to come in from around the country to these these folks from other states having similar issues. So there was a need. They took the appropriate steps and they formed the organization and they said, well, let's, let's specialize in these things. And so that's how our organization was formed. That's what we've pretty much focused on the last 40 years has been protecting and advancing the American traditions of hunting, fishing, trapping, and the shooting sports. And so that's that's kind of the who we are and what we do. That's kind of our, our specialty is we work you know, in the legislatures, we work in the courtroom, we work at the ballot box, and we do work in all 50 states. And I hope that after hearing this and listening to the previous episode, you'd feel compelled to join the Sportsman's Alliance like I have and like many of our listeners have to help support our outdoor hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. All right, guys. Well, welcome back. It's another episode. It's another day, another week. We are into February now when we're recording this, and uh, probably be uh, late February before this drops, mid to late February before this drops. But this is going to be a fun episode for a variety of reasons, Uh, kind of a two-part episode. But as y'all have noticed, I have had a repeat co-host on the podcast. Tonight, he is making his debut with an official title. Chase Prince is joining Chase and Tales as my official co-host. He's going to be my partner moving forward. He is my guest tonight. How you doing, buddy? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I'm excited, looking forward to this uh, new adventure and being a uh, <laughs> podcast co-host. It's, it's going to be fun, man. I, I've, I've been flying solo for a long time, and, you know, I've got big dreams and big exp- – or, you know what? See, I got used to saying this. We – have big dreams and expectations for the podcast and a co-host uh is needed you know i need i need that extra voice i, I need that extra uh, compliment to the podcast and you and i have gotten to know each other for a couple years now and I, when when i found out that you were interested we beta tested it for a couple episodes to make sure that uh, you liked podcasting and uh you're committed yeah, I am committed. Um, I'll tell you this. One thing that I really do enjoy is getting to listen to the stories of the guests that we have on. And it gives you just a good idea of what other people across the country are doing. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really 
looking forward to uh, working with you. Um, like you said, we've had a good relationship over the last couple of years. We're always in contact with each other. Um, I've always kind of wanted to actually be on a podcast, so I just kind of waited. And things kind of fell into place for me, and look, now I'm a, I'm a co-host for a podcast. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things you're, you're – I never thought you were interested. So when I found out, and, and full disclosure, it's probably coming through on my mic. I'm, my wife is still uh, suffering from a uh, a back injury, so I've I've got the pup down here and she's chewing on a toy. So if you hear something in the background, I apologize. But she's getting better, and that you know the pup should probably be less of an issue moving forward. But um, yeah, I I never thought that you'd be interested in doing the podcast. You're kind of OBS kind of guy, you know. I don't think I did I didn't think that you'd want to deal with uh, being an industry guy. And I think I brought it up like haphazardly or something like that, or maybe you, you did, and uh, you were like, I, "I've been trying to give you hints for like a year now." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had been, but you, well, you had kind of somebody else in mind, yeah. and that was kind of fell through, and I was kind of like, "Oh well," uh, I mean, I'll help. I kept kind of giving you hints. It's like, "Oh, I'll help you out." Hey, if you ever need any help with the podcast, yeah. just just let me know. And you were kind of like, "Well, I don't really want to burden this guy. Um, he's not." It's not like he's a part of the podcast. I don't. I'm sure that's what you're probably thinking yep. at the time. Yeah. Plus, like a lot of people think, I'm tough to read. Like I, facial expressions, body expressions, just how I answer questions and stuff like that. Even on my text, probably I'm kind of hard to read. You're kind of like, is this guy being serious or not? I get that a lot. It's <laughs> like, are you serious? Yeah. And I'm kind of like, if I'm serious, normally I have to go with. Yes, I'm being serious. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or like, no, it's just a joke. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's kind of tough with me. Um, but yes, a lot of times I am no BS. And as far as being in the industry, I mean, I think the podcasting part of it is kind of uh, a little bit different part of the industry. Sure. Um, you get to, you're basically talking to people that are a part of the industry a lot of times. Or, and you get to talk to average Joe Hunter as well. So that's what I like about um, this podcast realm, especially how you've set it up. It's not just the Jury Brothers or Michael Waddell or somebody like that. We're getting a bunch of different stories um, that all all have uniqueness to them. You know what I mean? So that's what I like about this podcast, and that's why I always wanted to be a part of it. Well, and, and you know, your addition to this, you coming on board, the structure of Chasing Tales isn't going to change for anybody who's who might be curious about that or um, – you know we're gonna we're gonna continue with the format that we have now. I'm not gonna give you the details on this podcast. There's gonna be another podcast coming down the pipe for you guys, kind of outlining uh, some changes that are coming to the podcast. But you know when you and I were talking through this, and I outlined my vision, and we were going through everything that we that we were gonna do with this podcast, and with you you're coming on board, how we could you know advance the podcast. I think we've come up with a really neat way of. Um, trying to stay relevant for our listeners, you know, trying to stay, uh, uh, remain relatable. Um, I think there's a lot of people that as they grow, they, they get maybe a little too involved in the industry and it, it leads to them kind of being a little bit out of touch. I'm not judging anybody in particular, and I'm not going to, you know, try and point out examples, but one of the things that we hear a lot on this podcast is got you know you two seem like two down to earth Florida boys who are just having a good time talking to people and as this grows we need you know it's been a a goal of of ours to maintain that to to stay uh relatable and I'm excited and I hope you guys stay tuned moving forward because chasing tales 
is going to um, maybe just a little bit of a facelift. A little structure is going to change a little bit, and, and I hope that that allows you and I to stay true to, to what we are today even as uh, we grow in the future. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that and being a part of it. And one of the cool things about it is now that you have a co-host, we should be able to get podcasts out on that regular basis. Right. What you've kind of been trying to do is if you can't do one, maybe I can jump in, do a podcast, and we can still get that content out every week. Because a lot of the guys, that's what they look forward to every week is, hey, is it, did Chase and Tails put out another podcast this week? Yep. And – hopefully we'll be able to provide them with that as opposed to there being a little gap. Maybe, like say, if you're having internet issues or something, and then boom, I can go on, I can edit podcasts, I'll be able to drop a podcast that week. And vice versa, if I can't do it or I'm out of town or something like that, you you always have that same option as, boom, I can drop a podcast and hopefully give the listeners uh, something to listen to that week um, to help them out and maybe give them some advice for – whatever they're currently doing. Well, yeah, and, and I think uh, anybody who's been with me for a while and chasing tails for a while, you know, they, they recognize that this is a relatively small operation, that, you know, uh, I have a day job and, and things like hurricanes or family illness or things like that, you know, that they do pop up. And you're right, this does give us a degree of flexibility that um, – you know, they should moving forward from the time you hear this podcast and you should have noticed already uh, over the last uh, four or five weeks, we've been getting them out with more and more frequency. And and uh, you're you're going to be uh, matter of fact, uh, guys, this podcast will be the first one that Chase edits on his own. Um, so, you know, feel free to send any hate mail towards him. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, the other the other great thing about this is Chase lives an hour and 40 minutes away, hour and 30 minutes away. Well, about Probably two hours. Okay, so let's say two two hours, hours, but it's just a constant. It's like a steady interstate drive. Right. I mean, it's constant seventy miles an hour. Right. The entire way. And so it's not. It's not bad. And and that's going to give us a real. No, it's not bad at all. And it's going to give us a real unique way to bring content. And that's one of the things I haven't been able to do. And it's a a logistical obstacle. And that is. Um, a lot of times, and you you guys have sent me feedback saying, "Hey, you know, we miss your stories as well." Well. It's kind of hard to invite a guest on the show and send them all the equipment they need in order to interview you about your own podcast, you know, your own hunting stories. And on top of that, I've I've pretty much flown or flown uh, solo up until now when it comes to hunting. And, you know, being that you're so close, being that you live in a different uh, zone in Florida, and we've talked about that a lot, about how the season's are sooner and later and there's multiple ruts and you have Osceola's and I have Easterns and you know it, it really opens up a lot of opportunities for you and I to to meet up do these podcasts live so you know we can have guests there which which is an awesome dynamic it gives us the ability to do hunts together and and bring those hunts to you you know you and I are lining up several out-of-state adventures that we're gonna you know bring to everybody in the future and it's just going to bring new, different content that I think uh, people have been asking for, and they're going to be thrilled to finally get. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, myself, I've really enjoyed, like, the live or in-person podcast that we've done. Because, I mean, you can kind of – I mean, you get to see body language and stuff like that, which you can't really see over the phone. And hopefully we can get together and get with more guests, bring them in, or go to where they're at. So we can get just like a, a more real um, podcast out there, almost kind of like right. you, a campfire story or something like that. 
um, I feel. And that way we can just – we're not ever, like, interrupting each other or anything crazy like that. We, we'll, we'll know when someone's speaking or about to sure. speak because we may have some issues like that in the future where it may say, oh, well, he's about to talk or I'm about to talk, just kind of stuff like that. So hopefully we'll be able to bring um, that to the people as well, just those in-person podcasts, which I'm sure – I know you've gotten great feedback on that. Oh yeah, in the past is when you actually just interview somebody who's in the room with you. Right, um, it's just more of a a good conversation. It's just a as a phone call. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. The dynamic is just richer. the 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 feed the 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 dynamic on the podcast is just richer because you've got nonverbal and verbal communication. But you know, there's also a lot of great people in the southeast, and there's a lot of good shows in the southeast that. It's our hope to go to and to visit with these people and build relationships. And, you know, one of the things I've said to you many times is there's a lot of really great people down here in the South uh, that just don't get airtime. And really, those personalities need to be captured live. You know, if you get a guy that that's a real jokester and, and you're doing it on the phone, it's a lot harder for him to, to you know, uh make those jokes and, and everybody roar into, into laughter. And I just think that we've got some really talented, really unique people that uh, because we're so close, we're going to be able to jump in the truck together. And uh, that, that makes our costs lower uh, for, for producing the podcast. And I got to be careful because I'm going to go down a path. I told you all I'm not going to go down right now. And that is the, the new structuring uh, of, of the podcast. But um, just keep in mind that, you know, Chase's edition is is going to bring more content to you guys on the regular and uh, in formats in which it has been heavily requested. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to that because we have a little bit of different hunting styles too. Yeah. So you're, you're primarily all public, which I do a lot of private and a mix of public. Right. So I'll be able to bring kind of that aspect on. I know a lot of guys that listen are the do-it-yourself guys that – like to go out public land, stuff like that. But there is also something to be said about guys that are on private that are dealing with neighbors and them pressuring deer and just all kinds of different stuff, even small parcels, big parcels. So I think I'll be able to bring some of that to the table as well is some of that, that private land stuff and being able to improve habitat and just, just, and just add more stories to it because I have obviously I have more encounters mm-hmm. with deer because I am allowed to hunt the private land. Hopefully I'll be able to help with if any people's got questions with that and stuff like that. Not saying I'm an expert or anything. Sure. But I do have a lot of experience with that type of hunting. And I hunt with all weapons. Right. Like you're you're primarily a bow hunter. I hunt with I'll hunt with a bow, I'll hunt with a muzzle loader, I'll hunt yep. with a rifle. Whatever's in season at the time. And whatever kind of gives me the best odds is what I'm going to do. But even I even put it up so I could go on a, a late season hunt with you this year, and I had to pick my bow back up. So yep. I don't I don't mind doing those things. I enjoy doing those things actually. I think that'll just be a good dynamic between the both of us. And we have differing opinions too, and we're not afraid to tell each other about it. We're not going to get offended. We're we 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 enjoy each other's feedback and respect it. So I think that'll that'll be a good. Good for the podcast. Well, yeah, well. And, and I want to get I want to touch base a little more on on who you are, and you know I've had you on the podcast I think three times before this um, as a guest, um, and, and I yep, want to and then once as a co-host and once as a co-host. Yeah, well, at this point you've been a co-host on several episodes, but um, right. I want to get into kind of who you are, but I just want to throw this one little tickler out there for you guys, and that is Chase is going to be helping me with the workload, which means 
there's a really good chance video is going to become a heavy component of Chasing Tales in the months moving forward. Um, we're going to touch more on that in a little bit, but I just want to throw that teaser out there. I've had uh, kind of a, a, a recent bump in people asking if we're going to move to YouTube. Um, chances are we're not going to uh, bring the podcast there because a lot of these are going to be done remotely and that's hard to capture via video. But uh, if Chase is in the woods and if I'm in the woods and if he's helping me with uh, the workload, uh, that just means more content and more different ways uh, coming to you as well. So I'm, I'm officially going to cut myself off because I'm so excited about <laughs> about what we're going to talk about uh, with Chase and Tails moving forward. But Chase, why don't you kind of give everybody a a summary as to what you pursue um, geographically in the state where you are, everyone knows I'm on the panhandle. Why don't you give everybody kind of a co-host bio of yourself? Okay. Well, I actually hunt in north central Florida. So we tend to have some of the bigger deer in the state. When I say bigger deer, usually there's probably one of the bigger deer is probably about 150 inch deer. Uh, in the area and there and there will be several of those we get a lot of the probably 100 to 120 inch bucks uh, in my area we also have a lot of the bigger body sized deer Uh, it's not uncommon to kill a deer from 180 to 200 pounds and that's that's pretty big for florida i mean there's a lot of areas that you're lucky if they weigh 110 pounds you know what I mean? Yeah, 120, <laughs> 30. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen deer with 120 inch racks that weigh 120 pounds. They just look massive. You're just like, holy cow. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. But yes, I've been hunting in North Central Florida, the area for probably the past 12 years. I have done a mix of private and public hunting. I've killed deer on public land with a bow, I've killed deer on public land with a rifle. And I've killed deer with everything, basically, on private land. We're lucky in the state of Florida, as most people know, because we have a lot of tags for deer. Um, I'm not in an area where there's a lot of hogs, um, to be honest with you. Uh, I haven't done a lot of hog hunting. Um, I do have a good area for turkeys. I'm in, Like you said, I'm in the area of just on the border of Osceola's. So I have, like I said, I've killed Osceola's. I've also killed Easterns. In the state of Florida, I primarily hunt turkeys with a shotgun, never even uh, attempted to hunt one with a bow yet. I probably will at some point. Um, I'm going to be taking new turkey hunting uh, this oh, year, yeah. which, which, will be, which will be fun. I always love being a guy. I've guided plenty of people on turkey hunts down here. Uh, one of my most recent ones was a fellow from Massachusetts came down here because he wanted to fulfill his Grand Slam. So that was uh, a fun deal, getting somebody their Grand Slam on an Osceola. I would not consider myself like the world's greatest hunter by any stretch of the imagination. I am one of those guys that hunts a lot. I mean, I I put in the time. You yeah. know, they always say about stand equity, stuff like that. Now, I'm not burning out stands or doing anything crazy. Like, I am mobile. Um, I haven't got a, onto the Saddle Nation yet, but I'm hoping to get on Saddle Nation this next year. Um, to try that out. I've done climbers. I've done lock-ons. I've hunted from every type of stand, ground blinds. I've hunted, shoot, I killed a deer from just sitting on the ground this year. So I, I'll, I'm interested in all kinds of hunting. I'm not just one of those guys that's strictly, hey, I'm a trad guy or, hey, right. I'm, a, I'm a rifle guy. Um, I like to do it all. I don't, I've done some gator hunting in the state of Florida. 
Um, that's one of the unique, unique things that we get to do down here is gator hunts. Um, and I have been, like I said, I did a podcast about going to another state. Yep. So I've been out there. I've gone to Kansas. I've gone to Texas. I've gone to Illinois, Alabama. Um, those are just some of the states that I've been fortunate enough to go on. Some of it was uh, outfitter. Some of it was do-it-yourself. That's probably just a good representation of who I am. Um, just an all-around type hunter. I don't really discriminate on much. And I just, I'm one of those guys who's just willing to put in the effort. I probably hunt about 100 days a year, maybe. Now, they're not all like all-day hunts sure, or anything. Sure, sure, sure. I'm fortunate some of the places that I hunt are five minutes from my house. So I can just get in the truck on a whim, go hunt in the last two hours. Um, and I don't, and I'm not, like I said, I'm, like I said, I'm not burning out spots. I'm moving around. I'm doing scouting while I'm hunting, stuff like that. But I do have a lot of time in the woods. And I, and I also, there's a lot of cool things that happen when you spend a lot of time in the woods, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's, that's who I am. I was not raised in a hunting family per se. I didn't actually start hunting until I got married to my wife, which was, 12, 12, 13 years ago is when that happened. I've basically spent the last 12, 13 years as a hunter. Um, my father-in-law is the guy that got me into hunting. And like I said, I've been able to hunt so much because of the job that I have. I think that's helped me a lot with experience. Because you got some people that may, they may have been hunting for 20 years. But they only go hunting for a week or two sure. weeks out of the year. I'm going like I said, about 100 days out of the year. So that's going to help my learning curve, just the amount of time I spend out in the woods. Um, so I think I can bring some of that dynamic as I haven't done it all by any stretch of the imagination, um, but I do have some experience. I'm just, And I'm also looking forward to getting educated by other hunters that come on here. That's one of the benefits is you get to talk to all these guys that are, and gals that go hunt across the country and you get to make relationships with them. So I'm hoping to get some of those relationships established like you've established uh, with these people. So that's, that's who I am. That's, that's Chase the Hunter. Yeah, a lot. I could ramble on for a while, but I'm just I'm so thrilled to, to have you as a part of Chase and Tails, and I am thoroughly confident that we're about to uh, take this thing to the next level together. Yeah, man, I, I hope I can uh, help. I can help listeners. If, if, if any way I can, just hit me up. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't have any problems helping people out. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's do this. Um, I, I feel like we've we've done our due diligence on that. <clears throat> well, uh, let me. I'm also a dad. I've like I said, I've been married twelve or thirteen years, and I do have two children. One is five, and one is seven. I have a boy and a girl. So I will be able to bring some of that dynamic too. Is taking uh, my kids hunting. I did do some of that this year. Yeah. Obviously, they were just ta they tagged along a lot because dad wanted to go. Um, and they got to see some deer and stuff. And of course I've got a son. He's, Hey, you need to shoot everything. And then <laughs> I've got a daughter who's more like, Oh, don't shoot it, dad. Don't shoot it. So, um, I kind of like got the good and evil on, you know, on the shoulders or whatever, yeah. just telling me. So that was one of the, the highlights of my hunting season this past year was taking them. So, well, and, and as, uh, as they get older, those stories are just going to get richer and that's just going to be one more thing that we can, you know, talk about on the podcast, you know, is, is, is your adventures yeah. going out with your kids and, you know, to to be honest with you, I'm a little jealous, dude. There there are many times that I wish I had a little one that I could, you know, take out there hunt with me. I look forward to those days. So I'm gonna live vicariously through you. Yeah, yeah. You'll get to uh 
the learning curve will be a little bit less for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I get to I get to learn all the life lessons and then uh, hopefully apply them. <laughs> exactly. I wish, like I said, I wish I would have been able to grow up with somebody. Yeah. Taking me hunting, man, because I, like I said, there were a lot. If I had like a blooper reel or blunder right. reel of my early days of hunting, oh my gosh, you would just laugh. You would just die laughing because <laughs> some of the stuff that I did or like how how I would be hunting out of a climber, maybe like ten feet off the ground because yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't I don't know what to do. I just had a little bit of direction, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like or just picking arrows, just because. I mean, it's when you start off hunting. That's just one of the things, and then you don't like. Ha- I mean, you have kind of a mentor, but it's more of just, hey, you need to go hunting, and then you're doing all the stuff yourself. There's there's a lot of stuff to learn about hunting, so um, it 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 it's always good if you can get somebody to mentor you for sure. Oh yeah, at, at the beginning. But like I said, it, it makes for fun stories. I've got plenty of stories to tell at the, at the beginning of my uh, <laughs> uh, hunting of how stuff just went awry. Yeah, so yeah, I'll be able to pull on that some during the podcast. Well, and that. I think it's going to be awesome. I think um, I think between our two personalities being different but similar at the same time, our, our hunting adventures and our lifestyles, how we've gotten here being so different, and our ability to just disagree to disagree and have a good dialogue on things, you're not going to just, you, you know, you're probably going to hear us agree about a lot of stuff, but, you know, there's probably going to be a fair amount of times that, you know, he and I are going to have different theories on things. But, I mean, I think that's a positive. You know, I you, we don't shoot the same bow right now. You you you've been shooting a Matthews. I've been shooting a new breed, and uh, you're going to hear a good dialogue about that. But you know, we're constantly bouncing ideas off each other. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I that's one of the best things that I can say between us is we're just always texting throughout the day. Like, hey, what do you think yep. about this? What do you think about this arrow? What do you think about this setup? What do you think about going to Arizona for yep. a coos deer hunt? Or what do you think about coming down here for an Osceola hunt? Um, just stuff like that. So it's just it's just fun to be able to do that with somebody. So I think our our dynamic will be perfect for the podcast for sure, for sure. So let's uh, let's move on from that. Let's move into let's do a season recap, man. Let's uh, let's kind of you know our, our my season isn't completely over with, but you know it's pretty much over. <laughs> I don't have any time left in my schedule to go hunting. The rut is over for my properties, and uh, all my public is shut down at this point in time. So. Uh, Without going into the whole season, because yours started in September and mine runs through uh, uh, today, why don't we kind of give each other, or give the listeners, rather, some, like, maybe our highlights from the year. Like, what made your season? What made my season? Um, whatever comes to mind, just pick a couple couple select, you know, stories or topics. Yeah, man, that, I mean, that sounds great. Uh, I would I would love to do that for listeners so let's let's do this because i think through now that i now that i've said that the listeners have heard a fair amount about my season i can only think of maybe one or two hunts they don't know about in fact uh the only one that i really have to contribute that i think uh, they haven't heard in detail have we talked about the the buck that i had that encounter with yet when you came up and hunted with me no no we we have not okay. talked about when I came up to okay. hunt with you. All right, cool. So then since the listeners have heard my season progress as I've recorded these podcasts, why don't we make tonight's highlight your season? What were your highs and lows? And then at some point, whenever it fits in nicely, we can we can share that story. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll be perfect. Well, as most people know, the or probably don't know, is the season in Florida starts usually somewhere around mid-September. Uh, that's our bow season. 
Uh, it's usually the the bucks are definitely out of velvet, and they're they're still kind of on where I'm at. They're still kind of on a feed pattern a little bit, uh, but I'm not going to say it's their pattern of both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's just one of those things. In Florida, it, I mean, all states have their own difficulties uh, when it comes to hunting the elusive whitetail. Florida is one of those ones that is it's really tough to get them on any type of like bed to food type pattern because they can bed anywhere as you know it's one of the difficult things i and during bow season i didn't i never really had any good encounters with any bucks per se with bow season i run trail cameras yep all the time i'm one of those like crazy (laughs) trail cam guys which i like the intel and like i said i've kind of noticed that the trail cam intel is kind of one of those things where you can go back and look at years past maybe and get a good thing but when you're looking at it there, you're like, oh, well, that right. deer's already been there. He's already done that. He's probably not going to do it again. Uh, but I've got two different properties that I am that I mainly hunt. One is a hunting club, which is where I'm a member, and there's seven other members. We share about 1,000 acres, 12,000 acres to 1,200 acres. We normally have, like, kind of assigned areas, um, except for during bow season. Bow season, there's only a few of us, and we have the ability to move around quite a bit as long as we're not just within so many yards or something of somebody else's spot. Right, right. Um, so both seasons kind of free reign. More of the run and gun setups, kind of see what the deer are doing. As most people know, it's usually, what, like 95 degrees in the evening time for both season, probably 80 degrees <laughs> in the morning. It's not, like, pleasurable to be out most of the time. <laughs> Remember I sent you a pic this year. I was hunting in, like, shorts <laughs> and a T-shirt <laughs> from yep. one of my stands. I did see a lot of deer that night. That was actually like one of the first nights I hunted. I saw a bunch of does. I ended up passing on them um, just because there was so much activity that night. I was hoping the bucks I had on camera would come out. But during bow season, you're typically not going to see your more mature bucks. Like they're, they've kind of, they've gone to where they're nocturnal down here. I, I mean, I've, like I said, I've been hunting the last 12 years, bow season in Florida. And I've probably seen on the hoof like one or two mature whitetails during the actual bow season in Florida. Not to say that you right. won't see one right. hunting with a bow, but from September, it normally runs from like September 15th through October 20th. And the chances of you seeing just a big mature whitetail with your bow, just because you've got humidity to deal with, there's so many different variables that you got to deal with down here. I didn't see that many. Now, the other property I hunt is a place where me and someone else exclusively hunt, and that's almost 500 acres. And there's really no hunting around it. So it's just a big chunk of woods. We have been able to track the deer the last couple of years. That's one of those ones where I can legitimately say, hey, I've got this deer, that deer on the property. The other piece that I hunt that's the least, you get a lot of bucks that just travel through because there's so many does. It's like a doe haven. You can go sit in certain areas and see 40 does in a sit. There's nothing, that's that's not uncommon right? Uh, to see that. I wish we could manage the does better, but the way the Florida laws are, it's mm-hmm. really difficult to be able to do that. You can shoot them during archery season, and usually I'll, I may take a couple out during archery season, but then you've got like a two or three day season uh, during general gun to be able to shoot more does. So it's, it's kind of difficult, and some of the guys in that club aren't on board with shooting does. A lot of them are old school. Um, they, they just, that's just not their thing. So it's kind of tough when you, you can't really manage 
the doe. So it's good during the rut. Now, don't get me wrong. When you've got that many does in an area, you get a lot of bucks that come in. So that's that's more of like my rut hunt. Um, I'll take some does like I did this year. I took some does early on this season with my bow. I killed two does uh, just to kind of get some meat in the mm-hmm. freezer. Um, kind of break the ice. You know, I like to kind of break the ice at the beginning of every season. Get Because I almost feel like uh, – to me, that uh, there's like a little bit of pressure at the beginning of the season, maybe to get something down. I don't know why that is. Um, I just personally feel that. So I shot a couple of does early. So that was pr- the highlight of my bow season is I shot some does. I did have some encounters with some deer, um, just nothing that I wanted to shoot with my bow. One of the properties, the the property that's me and another guy, we're we're trying to manage it. We're trying to shoot mature bucks or just some bucks that we've seen on camera the last couple of years that haven't made any jumps. Right, like right. They're, they're mature, but they're just they, – they basically have the same rack that they had the last couple of years. As you know, my favorite time of the year to hunt is muzzleloader, especially yep. on the one property, because that seems to be our rut. <laughs> that that you can shoot there. a really yeah. long distance with your muzzleloader. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, I, I can. Well, most people can. It's just yeah, if you yeah, put yeah. the practice in and stuff like that. Most people are like, oh, muzzleloader. A lot of people just give themselves the yeah. stipulation. It's a 100-yard gun, which that's not true. Um, it's a 100-yard gun right. if you don't practice and you don't know what your yeah, bullet yeah, yeah. drop and stuff like that is. I'll say that. But even out to 150, it doesn't sure. drop that much. So um, muzzleloader, I, I, only, I took one buck during muzzleloader season. The funny part to the buck that I took during muzzleloader season is it's one of those ones where I, I was able to range him. He was uh, 195 yards, and I saw him. He looked – it was one of those ones that looked good. He had a swole neck. Of course, it's during the rut. He's standing next to a spike, like a spike horn. So, you know, the deer always look bigger when there's – I mean, it, and it was a small spike because in Florida you can have spikes that are different body sizes because of when they were bred. Florida, right. they don't have to be bred at a certain time. They're getting bred uh, – a lot of us think year-round, it, it almost seems like. Um, so you can have different body size spikes uh, in your area just because they may have been born two months before the other one. So there's a spike down there. I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, I was like, man, if I, if I either if I don't shoot, he's gone because he was about to step in the woods. And I've had it happen so many times in that area where they step in the woods, and they, I mean, right. they never come back out. And it wasn't like there was a doe hanging out there where he was going to check that or anything. I was – confident because I've made longer shots before with my muzzleloader so I took the shot got down I did I, the funny part was is I didn't have a lot of blood that's one of the few like downfalls I would say of muzzleloader a lot of times is the blood trails aren't that great um I, it was a double lung shot I did end up I found him he was probably only 70 yards in the woods um, but I was a little worried because I didn't have any blood or any hair or anything where I took the shot um I had to actually go into the woods like 30 yards before I found blood. And That's I didn't have crazy. much of a blood trail even Why after I found it. What do you think that is? It. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't really know because it was a it was a great, like, double lung shot. It wasn't one of those, like, right, high right. shots, you know what I mean? It, it was like a perfect double lung hit, so I'm not really sure. But I've had it happen so many times where there's not a lot of blood with uh, my muzzleloader. It's, it just, like, kind of punches through them, I guess. Um uh, and maybe the the hole's just not that big. I, it's just one of those weird – and I've got several buddies that will tell you the same thing, that they, they'll shoot them, and it's just – there's just tough tracking them, it Odd. seems like. 
So I don't know. I've shot tons of deer with my muzzleloader, and I can never really say that I've had like just an awesome blood trail by any stretch of the imagination. But most of them haven't gone far. Yeah. And you hit them with that 50 <laughs> <laughs> caliber bullet, that's 300 grains. Because yeah. I shoot I shoot a yeah. 300 grain bullet and 110 grains of powder. Um, I find that that's like the, be- the best combination for my gun as far as accuracy wise. So I, I did I did shoot one during I was able to shoot one during muzzleloader right on um and I I really didn't see to be honest with you during the rut on that property I never saw a mature buck like just an absolute this buck he was a decent buck he wasn't a monster by any stretch of the imagination I mean he weighed 180 pounds and he was just a big six point just a big six point buck uh, it was just one of the deals this year where I, I kept kind of putting myself in different places. Never, never really saw anything big during muzzleloader, and sometimes there'll be years like that. Now I saw plenty of deer. Right. Don't get me where I didn't see plenty of deer. I did see plenty of deer during during that time because, like I said, sure. it's the rut, and they are they, they're more responsive to calls that time of year. Uh, you can tell that they're fighting a lot because you'll see like deer show up on game camera that all of a sudden has broken tines that he didn't have before. And and then you'll find, like, spots on him, too. Like, after I killed that buck, like, he had a spot where he had been gouged, like, in one of his right. back hams. Really? So, the they, they, they do fight some. I yeah. Be. Yeah, he, he had a yeah he had a spot where he, he had been fighting some. So, it, it's – and like I said, I and I had never – in that buck that I shot, which a lot of the bucks on that property that I do, I don't have any history with them. It's not like I've had – like, oh, yeah, I've had that buck on camera for five years now. Um, nothing like that. So I was able to, like I said, I shot one during muzzleloader. Rifle came, and usually in that spot, it kind of dies down for a little bit during rifle because all of our members come in during muzzleloader. So they just get a ton of pressure for that first week of muzzleloader season. So I think it kind of pushes them sure. more nocturnal because you're getting ATVs in there, people driving their vehicles that hadn't been driving. And those first couple of days, it's great because you got all that influx of people deer just moving everywhere just because people are walking to their stands and doing stuff like that so the it's awesome um like i said that first week of muzzleloader it's gangbusters it's almost like you're in the midwest like you know how you like that prototypical rut you're seeing bucks chasing everywhere like i said i've got so many does on that property that i've seen 13 14 bucks in a day like that's that's i've just chasing looking for does and stuff like that that's not coming out onto a food plot that's just seeing different deer out searching um or actually chasing yeah there's there's no shortage so. of deer encounters for you ever <laughs> no 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 I, I have the encounters um the other like i said the other property i kind of went there because even they're all the two properties are only like four miles apart like as the crow flies but their ruts are actually different like over on the other property, they're not rutting during muzzleloader. The rut's a little bit later. It actually kind of kicks off around Thanksgiving time. So there's about a month disparity in between the ruts, which is kind of good. Kind of gives me a chance to kind of lay off the properties sure. at different times and just kind of go in when the times are right for each one. There were a couple of deer on this other property that we kind of had targeted that we wanted to take out if we saw them. Um, I was able to take out. Two of those deer, um, they were both bucks uh, on that property. Uh, those were both in in November. I mean, the rifle kills. One of the things that I do, I have several guys at work. They're not hunters, but they love deer meat. Every year, I will kind of take out a deer, and I'll donate Rock it to on. those guys. 
Um, I figure that I've got the tag, and anytime I can give a non-hunter venison, even though I, they, they may have no interest in hunting, and I give them venison, at least I think, well, those are the people that you want to kind of have on your side. If something ever comes to a vote as far as hunting, those guys are going to go, hey, man, I know a hunter, and he gives me right. venison every year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for this because this guy has hooked me up so many times. He's a nice guy, always gives me deer meat, and they, they love deer meat. So I, I'm just assuming, hey, that's, that's some for the good, even though they don't hunt. That's good, that's, that's good for uh, hunting in general to me is being able to share that with some people. So I was able to do that. That was always one of my goals is to get a deer for some of the guys. Which I just – I think is awesome, um, by the way, because it, it, you know, we'll, I've oftentimes touched on, you know, exposing people to, to the outdoors. There's no better way than bringing people free deer meat in any way, shape, or form. Right. Yeah, and I mean – and some of those guys actually – they're a little bit younger and they're kind of busy right now, but they are eventually wanting to get into hunting whenever right. they, they kind of get a more – they're kind of at points in their career where they're – taking some classes and stuff where they just feel like they can't kind of devote sure. the time to it yet. But they, they are interested in hunting. And when that time comes, I'm going to be there to help them out the best I can. So, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with taking people hunting or mentoring people. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts about hunting is getting to take your buddies out, uh, especially like on turkey hunts, duck hunting. I mean, there's so many different hunts that you can do that just don't involve yeah. like having to be yeah. quiet or stuff like that where you can still have a good time, cut up a little bit. And get a squirrel hunting. I mean, all there's all kinds of stuff that you can do to get people into hunting. That's that's something I enjoy. But with that property that I killed, there was two bucks that I wanted to take out. I now I do have some target bucks on that property. I'm not you and I kind of <laughs> joke around, and I've had them for there's a couple that I've had for a couple of years, and I know that this it's one of those weird things in Florida. I never hunted on a property where I could actually say like a hundred percent that that deer was that right, deer from the year right. before. You know what I mean? Just because there's so many, just like eight points and six points that walk around there's no way to tell them apart well on this property there's a lot of homebodies on this property and i'm able to get a lot of pictures of some of these deer and they're just they're all over the property it's not like they just hang out in the core area or anything or like oh i I can hunt that buck's bed because i know he's betting that's not the case um but they do tend to hang out on that property most of the time now i may get I picture them on the far northwest side one day, and then they could be on the far southeast side the next day, or even the same right. day, two hours apart. Um, it does seem like they travel a lot. And this property, it used to be tricky for us because there used to be a lot of nocturnal movement because there were some guys that hunted there years in the years past, and they were kind of, it's brown, it's down, shoot mm-hmm. everything. To, um, I've noticed over the last couple of years with less pressure that we're getting a lot more daylight activity out of these deer. So that's been a plus because it was tough like the first couple of years hunting there. I'm not going to lie. There, there would be times where if you hunted in the evening time, you were not going to see a deer. They just did not get up and move before dark. Like it's just like, oh, well, you're hunting food plots. or you, No, I hunted everywhere. It wasn't like I was just like, oh, and I don't even really have any food plots on that property. Um, I'm, and, I'm, and I moved all over the place. I wasn't just sitting in the same stand, stuff like that. It was just, it was just real difficult. And over the last couple of years, with just less people in there, less pressure, I think it's just kind of that they're a lot less nocturnal movement. We're seeing a lot more daylight, like getting more daylight pictures, more daylight sightings of deer. And there and there's quite a few deer on that property, not as many as on the other property. But like I said, I've got I've got some homebodies, so I'm able to be like, okay, I've seen this deer. And there was one deer that we really had kind of targeted. They're like, okay, 
he's probably he was on the cusp of like okay are we gonna take him not take him remember i was texting <laughs> back and forth with you like hey man should i shoot this deer you're like yes man shoot this deer what are you thinking i, I don't know how you managed to pass up some of the florida bucks that you end up passing up and there were so many pictures, and I had so many pictures <laughs> of him, but, like, one picture would be, like, he looked huge, and the next yeah. picture was like, eh, I don't know. But, and he was hard to see on the hoof. Just one of them deer, like, you just – it didn't matter where you set up, you were in the wrong spot yeah. that day. And I don't think it was because he was winding me or stuff like that. He was just – he kind of yeah. traveled a lot. There was a morning, it was – I had gotten a picture of this deer. I was like, okay, he's – I've kind of got him on a little, a little pattern here on this camera. So I went in, hung a stand that morning, got set up. In my stand, it's cool. It's a crisp morning for Florida. It was like thirty, like thirty-seven, thirty-eight degrees, oh, yeah. which is really cool for Florida. And it was in December. This was this is December now. I right off the rip, I've got two bucks under me at like fifteen yards in my stand, and I'm like, oh man, this is this might be a good morning. I've got two. I've got two. Just they were young. One was like a basket rack eight point. The other one was a four point, and they were kind of feeding uh, underneath me. I had some does moving behind me, moving around. I saw I had a spike chase a doe. And I was like, oh, wow. I had this doe come out kind of behind me. She kind of caught my attention, so I look. Well, all of a sudden, steps out. Because I was kind of hunting on a road. Right. I could just see down this road. And a little bit in the woods some. Like, I could see holes in the woods. But from where the deer came from, I couldn't see anything. Like, it was just it was just so much under storage and everything else. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't see anything into that spot. Out steps this deer, like, at 75 yards. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. There he is. I finally laid eyes on this deer in the daylight. And I didn't set up, like I said, I wasn't set up like right where I had the camera. I knew to set up off of it. I saw the deer and I'm like, oh my goodness, there he is. And I kind of, I got, I was hunting with my gun. I got my gun up, but I didn't have a shot anyways at that point. Because as you know, when you run and gun, when you set up, there's going to be stuff in your way. Inevitably, there's going to be vines or something (laughs) in your way. Well, there's these vines in the way of this road. And I'm like, oh, I just needed him to, if he would have stopped right there, but when he stepped out, that doe caught his attention. And they were rutting in there at that time. So he comes full bore towards that doe. He gets behind her. I'm looking. I've got no shot. I've, I have this deer at like 25 yards and can't shoot. I mean, I've got a rifle in hand, 25 <laughs> yards. This nine point, I've been talking about all season, and I'm like, he's, he's right there. He's right there. But as I got to look at him, I was like, oh. I was like, well, I don't think he's as old as we thought he was. We were thinking that this deer was yeah, four and a yeah, half, five years old. And when I saw him then, and he had he was kind of rutted down a little bit. He just didn't have like that old look to him, like long yep. face, um, just big rounded uh, body. He, he just didn't have it. And I was like, and he didn't give me a shot anyways. Like he went after that doe, poof, gone. And I'm like, oh my goodness, there was my <laughs> chance, my one chance this year. Because everybody is like a lot of times, especially in Florida, it's like you get yeah. one chance a year. That's a lot of the country. You get one really good chance a year. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, you get one good chance a year, and I'm like, oh, man, this this is there, – there there was my chance to to take him. But at that point, I was like, well, maybe it was meant to be. And I talked with the other guy I was on the property with. We both decided – because, we, like I said, we had so many trail camera pictures of him, and then I finally saw him on the hoof. I'm the only one that's actually seen him ever. The other one hadn't seen him. We both decided, hey, we're going to give this deer another year. Like, he didn't make a huge jump from last year yeah. anyways, horns-wise. And body, body, he made a little bit bigger jump, and he may have gained like 10 inches on his antlers. But he had, but he had the exact same rack. That's how I, I know who it is. It, it, he had the exact same – he was a nine-point. Exact same rack. Like, identical. So I'm pretty sure that's him. And we, and we had some other bucks on the property that we had decided that we were going to pass on. 
Well, all this has happened. He runs out. I have some does running about 30 minutes later. I have some does kind of running through some of the woods that I can kind of see through. And a buck's chasing them. I'm like, ooh. I was like, man, that looks like a good buck. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, I, and it was a buck that I was like, I hadn't seen this buck before <laughs> that I knew of. And, and he's running through some thick stuff. And you know, sometimes things will look bigger when they're running through some thick stuff anyways. So he comes out, and I've got one shot opportunity of this deer. Like, he, he came out into the one spot where I could actually shoot into that hole. And it was a neck shot. And I take a lot of neck shots for the most part anyways because I, I, I'll shoot a ballistic tip, and it just drops them. Now, I mean, there's no tracking, right. none of that. It just drops them dead right there. I don't have to worry about anything. I'm like, at this point, I've decided, okay, I'm going to take this deer. And it, and like, it was one of those ones where I'm not one of those guys that's just say, I'm only going to take this deer. I'm not going to shoot this or that. If it gets me excited at that point, that's what hunting's all about. If it gets you excited, then I'm going to, and if I'm excited at the moment, then I, I may take it. Maybe a little bit different story next year because if Florida goes to an yeah, actual tag yeah. system, which I'm kind of, I'm, I'm gonna really be excited. A about. lot more picky. <laughs> right. And we'll get to talk about that more when it actual passes i'll say let's talk about that like kind of when it passes for sure um but it's pretty much gonna pass but anyways he comes out he gives me that shot i shoot bam he falls to the ground dead um within seconds so i'm thinking at first i was thinking i was like maybe that nine point because at that point i hadn't decided to pass up on that nine point for the rest of the season (laughs) i was like well maybe that was him he had cut back over on this road and he was chasing that doe around so I'm thinking oh man I may have just shot the nine point because it happened fast it wasn't like a it's not like a lot of these things you see on tv which a lot of guys can relate to where a deer steps out into a food plot and you get to look at him for five minutes before you go okay I'm going to take this deer I don't that's not a lot of my hunting I don't I don't hunt really over food plots or anything like that 99 percent of the time and as you know in the woods you get like split second decisions like either I do it now or this deer's gone I took the deer Got there. It was actually a deer that I had seen on camera pretty much all season. And it was one. It was actually one of the ones that we had talked about taking out. Um, he didn't have any brow tines. He's one of those ones that's never had right. brow tines. Last year he didn't have any. This year he didn't have any. He was, he was probably a three-and-a-half-year-old, to be honest. Not to say that he never would have had brow tines or anything like that because there's so much stuff out there about now, about culling and all that stuff that I just never uh-huh. knew before until I listened to some of these podcasts. We're like, huh, these are all just hunter myths, yep. you know what I mean? Finally, there's some science to actually back up some of this stuff about culling and things like that and antler growth. That took him, that was the December 6th this year. Um, that was the last deer that I actually shot this year. So I did. I killed four deer or four bucks, and I shot three does. I did shoot another doe during rifle season. So that was, I mean, that was a good year for me, real good year. Um, I'm not going to complain about that year at all. I like I said I never saw a monster or anything, but I mean I don't base my seasons off <laughs> if I see a monster or kill kill yeah. a giant deer because those are so few and far between, especially here in Florida. For the rest of the season, I just kind of hunted in different areas because I'd already decided in on, on that one property that we we had just decided hey unless something new shows up or and we had the remember the year before I had sent you a picture of this huge ten point yep. that showed up like at. In January on that property, so we're both like, okay, we're going to wait and see if this buck shows up. Well, of course, he never showed up this year. I'm, I was there the day that that deer showed up last year on we in spent, the same spot, just hoping because you you hear all spent these stories. So much time, like you sent me like a map with all the different spots. Like this is where I got photos on all these different years in the same time period, and we would that was just madness. That was maddening. 
Right, and and this buck last year was easily 130 yeah. inches, a 10 point, which is a giant in Florida. I was, I mean, I was hoping he would show up. I never saw him. I hunted that area. The other guy never saw him. We never caught him on camera. And it could have just been a fluke deal, especially like last sure. year when he showed up for those couple of days that I had him on camera. But the other deer, they're like I said, they're homebodies. I see them. I've got so many pictures of those deer. It, it's ridiculous. And the funny part, we were talking about the other day because I sent you a picture or I sent you a text, and I was like, Apollo, <laughs> Romeo, Romeo, and Lucky are still alive because the season's <laughs> over. My season's over. I went out, checked some trail cameras, and I'm like, hey, they're all alive. You're just dying laughing because you're like, oh, man, this is going to cause some great content yeah. for the podcast because some people are going to get uh, kicked up about – you name it. It's like, I've never done that before. That's not like something I do. So don't get that. It's just funny that I was like, I've, there's this finally this spot where I have a chance to be like, okay, there's this yeah, deer. Yeah. There's that deer. And some people don't like that. And I understand that. So a lot, heck, I would r- much rather have a random 130 show up and shoot it than to keep watching the same hundred yeah. inch deer year in, yeah. year in and year out. I, I don't care about that. Um, but I just thought it was funny. And like I said, they all have names particular to, hey, the, the Romeo's the one yeah. that I passed on or the one that I didn't get a shot on, the, not, the one that I had been chased for the last couple of years. And I named him Romeo because we had a picture of him. Remember yep. I sent you that pic? It was a picture of him basically getting a kiss from yep. like a white-tailed doe like, <laughs> on his face. It's a really cool photo. Like it was an awesome picture. I mean, it's, it's an awesome pic. So I'm like, hey, he's Romeo. Uh, the one that's named Lucky, he's a seven-point. He's a really big, really tall, really wide seven point. So I say, hey, lucky, yeah. lucky seven. So, I mean, it's just – and that way when I'm texting the guy that I hunt it with, instead of just saying, hey, the big nine or, hey, the seven or, hey, the the broke eight. Because uh, the broke eight's Apollo. He's from Rocky. And, you know, all know what happened to yeah. Apollo and Rocky. So I'm hoping that's what happens <laughs> to this deer. <laughs> because he's a fighter. He's been broken. Like, he, he showed For up sure. broken up. And he, he broke different times throughout the year. So I'm like, ah, well, he gets the name Apollo. So it's just one of the deals. And hopefully they show up next year. If they don't, hey, I'm, I'll be hunting new deer. Dude, you've it's always nothing. got deer on your properties. Um, yeah, yeah. And you, as you know, there's there's something that I'm doing next year on this property that we're not going to tell anybody <laughs> about until after I do it. And the season kicks in next year just to it's see gonna be, if it works. It's going to be absurd so if the, it works. Yeah, there's going to be there's some science involved in this process and i hope to take you guys along with it especially when yeah. it's over like especially after the details just to see if it works so i'm really looking forward to doing that yeah. on the podcast i did put in for some quotas this year um i got drawn for some but i wasn't able to go during those times so i just turned my quota hunts in for florida because we have public land that you can go hunt certain areas and then a lot yeah. of them are quota hunts like you gotta yep. apply for them there's a lot of competition oh, yeah. down here for some of these spots that are really good. So you've got to have a lot, which I had a lot of preference points to begin with. I just wasn't able to go. I went back and looked at my schedule because you got to apply for them way back in June. Six months later, you're, you're going on that hunt. So I I applied for a couple. I got the one. Well, I ended up not being able to go, but you can turn it back in and you get your preference points back. So I do quota hunts. That's one of the things that I like to do in the area, especially for, for deer and for turkeys. Um, There's definitely some good areas down here. And all throughout the state, you just if especially if you know which ones to apply for, then you, you could be golden. You could you, there's yep. some gold mines down here for sure. There was another public land hunt that I was planning on doing. It's it's like a, it's just a one week hunt, but it is open to the public. It's not like you have to right. draw for it or anything. And it's a but but it's a bow only hunt that lasts. It's like an eight day hunt for the entire season, 
and you can shoot a buck or a doe, and that's only probably 25, 30 minutes bad. from my house. But the deer, what, what I kind of noticed this year is that the deer started rutting a little bit earlier on my one property. I wasn't going to leave that to go hunt that piece of public. And there were actually, I had a friend of mine that hunted it, and there were a lot more guys hunting it this year. Like last year we went, and I, got a, I did get a shot opportunity. Well, I say a shot opportunity. I took a long shot at a deer that I probably shouldn't have taken um, because this Florida deer is skittish. I did see a really nice buck on there last year. And the same buddy that I went with last year, he he actually killed a hog and he saw some several bucks and does right. on the last hunt that we went there. He just said it was a lot more crowded this year. Like there was a lot more, um, there were a lot more guys uh, in the parking lot sheer more traffic. Now he did have a few encounters um, where he saw some deer way off, but a lot of times early season, Florida deer don't really respond to calling. They're more likely to run from grunt calls and stuff. Now, during the rut, they're a little bit more aggressive. But that's pretty much my hunting season in a nutshell this year. I did have a buck at the end of the season on one of my properties. He came out. I was actually hunting with my son. This, it was kind of cool. I'd taken my son. We had this little ground blind set up. This buck steps out. Well, he looks gorgeous on the one uh-huh. side. Yeah. But the other side, he had broken. And he was kind of rutted down. He was really wide, nice and tall. It just wasn't. I was like, he's made it this far. It was towards the end of the season. And I was like, well, he'll be here next year, hopefully. And he was actually, it was funny because we did end up planting some food plots on that property, just kind of late season, just kind of, hey, let's put some rye out. And he was actually feeding on that food plot. So that was kind of cool to see that he came out and fed on it. But that's like the only time this year that I actually hunted a food plot was right at the end of the season, trying to see if I can get some of these bucks that are kind of on a feed pattern again. Because they were definitely shut down the last, like say the last month of the season, I wasn't noticing any like, chasing or anything like that or but I did I went to the woods the other day and I, was, I did see some I look like fresh rubs and some scrapes and some of the bucks that I had on camera shoot it looks like they're fighting again like they had some some of the bucks that hadn't had a broken tine all year are showing up on camera with broken brow tines it's just Florida's just weird it's, <laughs> it's one of those ones where you could see one chasing a doe the first day of the season and you could go out of the season seeing one chasing a doe the very last night of the season and now but like I said one of the areas I definitely have a more defined rut, but that was basically my hunting season in well, a nutshell. How about you kind of give the audience what kind of happened with you the last these last well, couple of weeks I, of the season? I think that would be an awesome thing. However, I do believe that my Boykin's patience has run its course. We may have to save that story for a different time, and maybe this episode is just a an introduction to the new co-host episode, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be. I mean, we're running yeah. up on an hour. Yeah, it yeah. seems so, like. Anyways, I, I just started rambling <laughs> on. I wasn't even looking at the time. I'm just like, no, oh, this is my hunting season. I just like talking <laughs> about hunting so much. Well, I mean, it's just one of the. It's a things. good thing. Like, it's a good thing you're a co-host because you're going to have uh, many opportunities to talk hunting. So. Uh, <laughs> exactly, but hey, just just with disclaimer, I'm not God's gift to hunting. I've, I'll have I've had some rough seasons and I've had some great seasons out there. I hope I can talk yeah. about some of them. On, oh yeah, on the podcast and. We're looking. We're getting ready. We're looking forward to turkey season coming up. I mean, it's not too far uh, away in Florida. I mean, it starts a, a little over in a month. Yeah, a month for yeah. us. So we'll we'll have some good stuff coming up in a month. Hopefully, some uh, podcast after Walter Lee's kill oh, his first Lord. turkey. It would be that's, so good to get that. That's monkey what I'm off looking forward dude. to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, hey, you got to yeah, come down for here for sure. For sure. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up and and send them on their way and. Uh, maybe what we ought to do is when we get closer to turkey season, kind of, uh, well, we when we get together, we can to to chase turkeys. We can do a a, a turkey hunting podcast. Uh, swap some of our own personal turkey hunting stories. 
Yeah, yeah, we, we got that. And then we've also yep. got some guests lined up for turkey season already. So we're, we're going to be looking forward to doing some Absolutely. of those podcasts and getting some, some – and we've got some cool stories, I'm <laughs> telling you, some, some cool content that's going to be coming down the line. So you're going to want to listen to some of these turkey <laughs> stories. Well, guys, I hope you're as thrilled to have a new co-host as I am. I'm – over the moon excited about this chase has been a, an awesome friend he's putting in the time to learn the editing and, and the equipment and that's the only obstacle that stands between him between y'all and uh his awesome experiences that i get to enjoy uh on my own thus far i mean the guy just absolutely has a a drive to be outside all the time so um there, there's good things coming down the pipe there's some there look <clears throat> there's some good things coming down the pipe be on the lookout for an episode coming from us soon announcing some of those changes that are coming to Chase and Tails. It's going to be an awesome an awesome episode. I know you're going to be excited uh, to hear what we're going to have to say, and, and that should be coming shortly, uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, y'all be good. Tell a friend about the podcast. Share it with someone. Leave us a rating review and help us grow the Chase and Tails nation. And until next time, y'all get outside and enjoy the outdoors. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.